0: Stats against the film. Week two of the NFL preseason is a wrap. Hayden Winks joins me as always. And Hayden over the last week, Brian Robinson up 30 spots, Isaiah Pacheco up 22 spots, George Pickens, 19 Damian Pierce, 16, the opposite direction. Isaiah Speller down about 17 spots in underdog fantasy Antonio Gibson, Kenneth Walker, all free falling. We'll hit on all
1: of those names today. How you doing, man? Another what? 16 games in the books. We'll get to some of the biggest nodes. I will say, but you were talking about the movements Yeah, uh, on the redraft sites. They haven't moved their default rankings. No, nope. uh, your favorite anis- uh, fantasy analyst not named Josh Norris or Hayden Winks. They probably haven't moved their fantasy rankings. This is why you got to use underdog. You got to be playing best ball. We're moving the ADPs immediately. There is no time to wait. Like if we have breaking news, the ADPs are moving. Josh and I are ranking are moving our updates and stuff. So that's why you got to be playing a little bit of best ball to prep for your home
0: league. 100%. Today, we'll go through a bunch of the highlights of the top performers really of the last major week of preseason, but there's still going to be some movement as we go along. As always, you can find the foundation for this show in Hayden Winks's underdog network column. Yes, the nuggets that you must remember. Okay, here we go. We'll start off with the Pittsburgh Steelers because there aren't that many Big quarterback changes as we loom. There are very few quarterback competitions still at large. But today, quote, Mike Tomlin said that work this week and final preseason game would be significant to determining a number of spots, including at left guard. Then a local beat writer pressed him on if this included the starting quarterback position. Mike Tomlin. Yes. Hayden, you've been one of the main figures in Kenny Pickett's corner
1: this entire offseason. How are you feeling? I feel great. So let's start with Mitchell Trubisky because I think this is one of the situations where if the veteran is balling out, then he probably gets the draw here. Trubisky, he's still, I think, not as good in the pocket as Kenny Pickett. And we're going to run the clips here in a second. I thought Kenny Pickett had basically a perfect. Uh, week two performance. And it's a lot of things that we were hitting on with the pre, pre-draft pre profile. R- throwing on the mo- run, that's an accurate pass right there, right off the gate. That's not a normal drop back. This is a nine. This is the most important thing. Cover two look, goes into cover three, hits the person on target, and then you see the second angle. It's the in-pocket movement from Kenny Pickett. This is a dime, that's the exact read. It's on time, and this is consistent from what Kenny Pickett was as a passer. Now, he doesn't have the most electric arm and stuff, But to me, it's just very, like, very headsy movement here. Knows where to go to the ball. But to to me, the most underrated part about Kenny Pickett is the ability to move around a little bit. Like, that is a veteran throw right there. So to me, I think that Kenny Pickett looks prepared to be the starter right away. I think that you have to go with the, the... first round draft pick. I'm not sure if Tomlin will actually do this, but I think that Mitch Trubisky's leech is very short. Uh, That's another throw getting hit against the blitz, leading him with touch. He was just, he was just dominating uh, out there, taking every single throw. We just need to see the one last thing that people are going to freak out over is how far downfield. He's throwing the ball to, yep. but to me, he's making every single read you can't tell me which, which pass he, uh, of these, he should have threw it down the, down the field more like that's man coverage, got in motion, hit Benny Snell with the linebacker uh, behind him, having to go through coverage. Like that is perfect ball placement again. So I'm, I'm all in on Kenny pick. I don't think that he's like going to be some superstar, but I think that he's ready to go.
0: Th- this play really stood out to me. The one where he faced immediate inter disruption, which a lot of these rookie quarterbacks are not doing. And look, he's letting this go at the exact same time has tied in and Pat Frymuth, he's playing with the starters here is in line with the safety or the linebacker whichever one it is and he's throwing it to a spot and what this is second down and 10 second and long and he hits it puts it in a perfect placement that's all timing that that's all rhythm that that's all you know anticipation um to your point it's funny we talked about last year with Ben Roethlisberger and how quickly he got rid of the football. I believe here in week two of the preseason, Kenny Pickett's time to throw was less than two seconds. Yet all of these throws were on the money and and good decisions. Also, to your point, 13 of 25 passes this past weekend were three yards or less and only one pass that traveled more than 20 yards. Uh, So I agree with your sentiment that we need to see some vertical passing because if you look at i don't know trevor lawrence's arm malik willis's arm maybe even desmond ritter's arm ones that we've seen over the last couple years kenny pickett might be last in that list in terms of arms i'm just saying arm strength as a whole but in terms of the movement that we saw from mitch that we know from a matt canada system along with motion and maybe too much motion at times um it's going to be a factor here because his athleticism was, was the biggest part of that. And I'm not, I'm not one that says like arm strength has to happen in order for him to be a downfield passer, because the most important thing to him be more aggressive moving forward, even if it is week one is the offensive line has to stay up yes. and the penetration and the disruption of the offensive line allowed forced shorter passes than probably what he wanted to happen.
1: Yeah, and he I'll say both of the preseason games, he was doing the two-minute drill, and there's a lot of just check-down opportunities in those as well. So, yeah, I, I think it's its a criticism of his game. It's kind of how he played at Pitt as well, but he can throw on the move, and sometimes when you're throwing on the move, those are downfield shots. So, ultimately, I think for Best Ball Mania 3, he was not getting drafted a lot. I think that we should be comfortable stacking him, especially with George Pickens, uh, maybe with Deontay Johnson. We'll get to those guys in a second, but to me, I'm, I see – a baseline of NFL production from the Steelers offense based off of what I've seen from Kenny Pickett. And I do think we're going to see Kenny Pickett early in the season. I just don't think Trubisky consistent enough to be uh, what Tomlin's looking for with this good of a defense.
0: It's already been a whirlwind of an off season for Pickett. Cause we got those off season reports that he was by far and away third on the depth chart. The whole offense was not performing well. Mason Rudolph was mentioned as a possible starter as well. Uh, Now, I think it's pretty clear that if Mitch does not play better, Kenny Pickett is the one who's going to be playing early on. And is this a a little leverage siren here, Hayden, for people who Best Ball Mania 3 have been drafting all season long? We're going to have some more smaller tournaments coming out here, hint, hint, wink, wink, in the next few weeks as well. Kenny Pickett's ADP is undrafted. He's free Mm -hmm. in
1: every single one. The time is now. And uh, we always talk about the Russian quarterbacks and the rookie quarterbacks. And we're like, oh, all the rookies get priced up. Uh, here's one right here. You know, he's going to be out there for a lot of it. So uh, maybe our maybe the consensus um, thoughts on Kenny Pickett were just wrong. And maybe he's a little bit better than that. OK, let's talk about the wide receivers, too, because
0: we highlighted George Pickens. There's a clip on the channel on him. If you all want to check it out in his week one performance, uh, Deontay Johnson didn't play in that game. And I don't think Chase Claypool uh, played very much in that game, if at all. So now we know with all three of their starting wide receivers out there that Chase Claypool is locked in to the slot. But that begs the question, what and who is going to be out there in two wide receiver sets? So in 21 of 25 snaps, all three of these wide receivers played. So it was 11 personnel. And in those four other snaps, where it was two wide receiver sets, Deontay Johnson was out there for all of them. Chase Claypool got two. George Pickens got two.
1: Yeah, George Pickens got the first two, but it came after a nice uh, contested catch from from Chase Claypool way down the field. So I think this is a little bit up for grabs. I will say that Gunnar Orlovsky was playing in the slot. And I think that uh, Chase Olszewski,
0: I mean, you just butchered that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, who cares? Uh, Chase Claypool being in the slot, I think is good for his real life value. But I do think it's actually going to be a negative for his fantasy value. When the Steelers want to go to that more like traditional slot receiver snaps, I'm not sure if Chase Claypool is going to be that guy. Like he's like big slot, but he's not like Mr. Option route underneath. And that's exactly what happened here uh, with the first team offense. Chase Claypool ran around on 10 of 18 dropbacks, George Pickens, 17 of 18. So to me, I think I'm drafting Chase Claypool after. George Pickens, Chase Claypool is actually going to be one of the people I'm fading because if there is a fourth receiver and is like a classic little slot receiver, I think that's going to come at the expense of Chase Claypool. So I think the Steelers are smart by putting Chase Claypool into the slot and running their three best wide receivers out there. But there are some situations, some personnel sets where I think Chase Claypool is going to come off the field. And I think George Pickens just straight up better than Chase Claypool. So I think Chase Claypool's uh, stocks down, George Pickens stocks slightly up.
0: thought Deontay moved really well. Chase Claypool and George Pickens now an underdog going back to back. Wide receiver, 50 wide receiver, 51. And you mentioned Gunnar Olszewski. Uh, also, they drafted Calvin Austin, who had some moments during training camp, too. Okay, that's it. General for the Steelers. <laughs> yeah, You are just all over the map on that one. Uh, another name that was learned a lot about in preseason week one. Brian Robinson, where we at now after preseason week two, because in between. There were reports of Antonio Gibson working as a pump protector, doing some kickoff return and Hayden, what that resulted in was an legitimate
1: start for Brian yep. Robinson. Antonio Gibson returned the opening kickoff. He played zero special team snaps last year. So that's a demotion, even if we like Antonio Gibson returning punts and then Brian Robinson was early down back. Uh, JD McKissick did not suit up. Um, so we did see um, Antonio Gibson play with the first team, but it was after Brian Robinson's out there. So to me, It's still up for debate. I don't know who's going to be the starter, Antonio Gibson or Brian Robinson, but ultimately I think they're probably going to split reps on early downs. I think that Antonio Gibson is the more explosive outside uh, the tackle Explosive rusher and Brian Robinson is the more consistent, more physical rusher. And I think maybe going to get the goal line opportunities. So to me, I'm drafting Brian Robinson ahead of Antonio Gibson, but ultimately, this is a commander's offense that's probably below average. JD McKissick, we know, is going to be out there on passing downs. So whoever's the goal line back is the only one that's going to be worth anything in fantasy. And even if you are getting the goal line opportunities on the commander's offense, what is that really getting you? Probably like maybe flex value. So I'm not getting blown away by uh, Antonio Gibson or Brian Robinson here. I think they're probably going to split this early down work. And I think ultimately it'll be Brian Robinson proving himself as the better consistent rusher
0: in your home drafts. Antonio Gibson is going to be listed on the player list. Extremely high against again on underdog. Uh, our ADPs update every 48 hours. And as of right now, Gibson is running back 33 95 overall in comparison to Brian Robinson, who's running back 44 at one thirty. Overall, I do feel and wonder if this is one of those outcomes in the next 10 days after preseason week three, when everything is behind closed doors, that maybe this is just a little bit of punishment we are seeing for Antonio Gibson and Ron Rivera and Scott Turner are of those minds. And we see Antonio Gibson get the start there in week one, but there are two things that we have learned. One, Brian Robinson is a very capable runner. uh, And also that once Antonio Gibson fumbles... Yep. He's gone. It's over. He's benched. It is over. And I want to bring up because they did split reps this past weekend, but the context is that JD McKissick did not play in this contest. Yep. And a lot of those Antonio Gibson snaps were on passing situations. And so the other conclusion you can possibly make is if JD McKissick played, maybe he would have seen even those starter reps over Antonio Gibson.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I think for the most part, just avoid this. If Brian Robinson's ranked way too low, I would go after him. Most likely in your redraft league, Antonio Gibson's going to be a do not draft. Um, But I'm with you. This could just be a a punishment thing. I I just think that Antonio Gibson's skill set and Brian Robinson's skill set, there is no overlap to me. Like They're both early down rushers, but Antonio Gibson, the things that he's good at, Brian Robinson cannot do and vice versa. So I think this is going to be somewhat of a committee here. And for the most part, give me like the Melvin Gordon types. Give me Damian Harris in this type of range instead. I think I trust their workload, at least on a better offense.
0: Yeah, Cordero Patterson is going after that, too. Damian Pierce, who we'll get to in a moment. Even Rashad Penny won the Seattle backs. Ramondre Stevenson, Chase Edmonds. Yeah, the, that's all somewhat in the range of where Antonio Gibson is going to be ranked in your league. Okay, Chiefs offense, despite being one of the league's best. We still get questions answered every single week, it feels like, for the Chiefs. Why don't you kick it off with maybe in something enough people aren't talking about? Potentially. Potentially. But for a first-round pick in Travis Kelsey Hayden, you're galaxy-braining this, and he's not playing that much.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is like a probably a slight overreaction by me, but I still do believe it. We're talking about a 33-year-old, and his snap rate has gone from 95% to 92 to 86 and 82% last year um last year in the preseason he played 96 percent of the snaps with patrick mahomes this year it was uh in this 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 13 play drive it was only 62 percent. so my galaxy brain theory is what if they're just going to start playing him and saving him a little bit for the postseason just decreases snaps a little bit we're talking about 33 year old this is the wild wild west like 33 year old tight ends are never good in fantasy there's been i think six of them that average eight fantasy points as a 32 year old, the next season, their production declined 20%. So to me, this is like definitely nitpicking. I'm probably overthinking things, but we have to nitpick in the first round. Like his ADP is 12. Like to me, if, if his production drops even 10, 15% from what it was last year, he's not worth that pick. So maybe I'm galaxy branding it. Maybe you guys are not galaxy branding enough. But I think this was just like a long spiel just to remind people we're talking about a 33 year old tight end. And those just don't exist in fantasy land. That's been the case uh, with Gronk and and some of these, like Tony Gonzalez, they're like barely hanging on. They've never been like first round picks.
0: Okay. A few things. One, if Travis Kelsey just didn't play in the preseason, we would not be nervous about this or you Mm -hmm. would not be nervous. I don't want to lock myself in here with you. But the Chiefs are playing starters. And actually, Patrick Mahomes got a pretty extended run. So this isn't, you know, a a Ram situation or Raiders situation. Second, he is 33, and despite that, in his 10, 11 years in the league, he has only missed like two games ever, and one of those was due to COVID last season, but um, when he has been in there, and maybe we nitpicked this a little bit last year, I don't think he is – just natural moving as spryly as he was six years ago or or five years ago. But what Travis Kelsey always does so well is find those open pockets, especially against zone and just his knowledge of leverage and spacing is truly elite. The other part of this though, is as we outlined last week, the chiefs offense are using two tight end sets, fullback sets much more often. I would say when I, I truly do not believe That that Forston guy or Noah Gray are going to be taking any snaps away from Travis Kelsey because they have the same archetype as a receiver. If it's Blake Bell, who we have seen previously be like the pure blocking inline guy for the Chiefs and they were just using more of that, I would be nervous. But these Noah Grays and Forstons in the red zone are, are, are not worrying me in the least.
1: Yeah, it's, it's not the red zone stuff. I just think it's like on first and 10 on the second drive is he's not going to be out there as much. And this is nitpicking. Like, this is beyond nitpicking. I'm talking about like a 5 to 10% drop in production would be the difference between him ranking him 11th overall and 18th overall. And like, that's that's the difference we're talking about. So probably Galaxy Branding, you guys can make your own decisions. I just wanted to note it, that this is a brand new offense. We're seeing new formations and we're seeing him actually rotate uh, on the first drive of uh, of the second preseason game.
0: Okay, still learning more about the running back situation too with the Chiefs, Clyde edwards Lair, Jarek McKinnon, Isaiah Pacheco. What did you learn from preseason week two?
1: Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is playing the early downs. Jarek McKinnon is playing the passing downs. They're trying to get Isaiah Pacheco going. I thought he made another brutal read. I think that he's an athletic player. He can catch the ball, but I think he's probably really destined for number two or number three duties. Uh, Rojo didn't play with um, Patrick Mahomes here at all. I'm expecting him to be cut, and it's going to be these three, but the difference between this week and last week was Jarek McKinnon was playing the passing downs, not Isaiah Pacheco, so I think those two are kind of battling things out. Um, We'll see what happens with CEH. I think he's going to be the goal line back, but we haven't like seen that in the preseason yet but he is the early down uh back I wonder if we're going to see more uh screens from that type of thing with Tyreek Hill gone but I do feel very confident that Clyde Edwards the is going to be probably like a 60 percent uh player in an offense that we expect to be top three in scoring
0: they are still rotating pieces inside of the 10 yard line and I don't know if you noticed this might have been what you were pointing out sorry I butchered that Fortson <laughs> That when it was a first and goal from the 10 yard line, Isaiah Pacheco got a carry. There was a huge crease on the right side. He ran straight into his offensive line down the middle. And as soon as he handed the football away, Patrick Mahomes points to the corner, which means, hey, the lane is that way. And Pacheco just didn't see it, didn't run to it. With all that said, because he is a rookie on the Chiefs and people have, for some positive, for some good reasons, a negative connotation to Clyde Erdogan. Isaiah Pacheco is just getting steamed up drafts right now. Like yeah. at least his ADP is running back forty seven one forty overall. That's still ahead of Michael Carter. That's still ahead of Khalil Herbert. That's some ludicrous. other players, but I've also seen him in some drafts go ahead of Kenny Gainwell, ahead of Brian Robinson, ahead of Alexander Madison around like the one thirty spot. And to me, that is ludicrous.
1: Yeah, to me, like Michael Carter, Isaiah Pacheco, like what are we doing here? Um, but going back to the C H thing, one note about the goal line stuff. Jarek McKinnon was out there for a third and 10, but when the chiefs got down to the five yard line, in comes Clyde Edwards Hilaire. So I think we we can see 11 touchdowns from Clyde Edwards Hilaire, maybe like 900 rushing yards, something like that. And just kind of stumbles his way into like RB two production here, just because the offense is so good. I think that uh, Jarek McKinnon's ADP is like what the 180 somewhere in there. I think that that's the person I would be targeting for sure. Um Isaiah Pacheco. I can't chase him to like the one thirties uh, to me. Like Michael Carter is like maybe the one a right now and we've seen him play and he was supposed to be good. Isaiah Pacheco is it's none of those.
0: Yeah. You might've said this, but Jarek had the snap first and goal from the five and CEH was there from second goal and the five. Look, there is an outcome here where Clyde Edwards is just the best, best player of this bunch behind an awesome, awesome yeah. offensive line and still a bargain. Still a bargain of where yep. he's going. Yep. Okay, let's talk about the wide receiver grouping, too. Because, oh, just quickly in the running backs, as, as a footnote, uh, Ronald Jones played after all three of those names. Yep. So it's, it's irrelevant done. with the backups. It's over. Eagles. So, wide receivers. Juju did not play in this. It sounds like he has turned the corner on his knee injury and expected back pretty soon. So in two wide receiver sets, which we're seeing a little bit more by the Chiefs this preseason, it was MVS, which we called. And it was Justin, Justin Watson. Tell the people.
1: Yeah. So to me, Skymore was out there in three wide receiver sets. I do think what's happening here is they're kind of prepping Sky Moore to be the third wide receiver. And it's going to be him versus McCole Hardman. Uh, McCole Hardman didn't play due to injury. We'll see what his groin spasm, uh, how severe, if it's been more than four hours, so he has to go see a doctor for that. But I think that Skymore and McCole Hardman are going to be the three, the distant third receivers. And I think MVS, and Juju Smith-Schuster are going to be locked into two wide receiver sets. So to me, I'm still drafting and ranking MVS over Sky Moore. You can play the Galaxy Brain thing, but I think Sky Moore is going to be a post by rookie bump candidate. He's going to probably be on your bench in redraft leagues. And maybe if we're lucky, he gets out there um, in three wide receiver sets. But even if that's the case, we're talking about in a three wide receiver set with Travis Kelsey running around. Uh, Juju, MVS, and then him and the running back. So we don't really love the three wide receiver set only players in fantasy. Maybe you can squint in the Patrick Mahomes offense. But for the most part, I think we got a little bit carried away on Skymore.
0: It has been this way all offseason, but the fantasy football universe is way too freaking low on Marquez, Valdez, Scantling. They are underrating how and where he is going to play in this offense because he has been pigeonholed group thinked into just a vertical player. If you go and watch all these preseason contests, he is living in the intermediate area of the field. It is speed outs. It's inside breaking routes. It's outside breaking routes. It's overs. It's drags over the middle. It's all the stuff that we want. And also how well Patrick Mahomes is playing in somewhat of a different style right now. Oh, yeah, Balling. He will take six seconds behind a perfect pocket, get to his fourth read three over routes heading to this side. And then he hits Jarek McKinnon on a third and six because their defense has completely avoided the field. Stacking Patrick Mahomes and one of his leading receivers in two wide receiver sets in Marquez Vados, Scantling has never been easier. And all of you should be doing it in your drafts. All of you. Yeah, he's my most drafted wide receiver. He's going with still one spot after Sky Moore. He's wide receiver 45. Moore is wide receiver 44. Look, that's a name and a region that we absolutely love these players. Kadarius, Tony, Chris Olave, Christian Kirk. But man, it's never been easier. And it's 2022 and in an offense that might look different, but I don't think they're they're still going to run with pace. They still have an awesome quarterback. They have a great offensive line and they can do it all now. Like yep. the reset button was smashed. And what we have now was a more balanced attack with MVS being the premier outside wide receiver for this team. $30 million. It's easy as that. Trying to preach over here. And I still like Sky Moore. I loved all the highlights he was making in the preseason, but I'm with you. Maybe he is the piece that is moving all around or the backup to all of them and can get those manufactured touches like we've seen Mecole do. My other question for this, Hayden, is Justin Watson has been free all offseason. Is Justin Watson on people's radar now in round 18?
1: Bestville 3 with Patrick Mahomes, last second dart throw, sure. Um, my other Galaxy Brain thing with Sky Moore is Juju signed a one-year contract. If you kind of look at Juju and Sky Moore body types, where they can win in the slot, maybe can win in two wide receiver sets on the outside too, I wonder if the plan is get Juju out there for this year and then develop Sky Moore into that Juju role for 2023. So um, I get the hype on Sky Moore. I do think he's going to be a good player. I would target him in Dynasty drafts. Dang. He's He's probably ranked really low in default rankings, I think just on underdog. We've kind of outpaced our play outpaced ourselves. And I would just rather go MBS.
0: Okay. We haven't hit the film room in quite a bit. So I'm going to bring up a name who made waves this weekend. And it's uh it's Isaiah Likely, the rookie tight end for the Baltimore Ravens. Cause if we are talking about strategy, Isaiah likely just threw his hat into the ring. So what we saw without Mark Andrews and you know, without Lamar Jackson is Isaiah Likely and Tyler Huntley having a really, really strong connection to the tune, I believe, on 10 for 10 of throws of 10 air yards or fewer in the preseason in this game. And we talk about it a lot when looking at isolated tight end talents that some are good against zone, some are good against man, less, few are good at both. But there's a real feel for leverage, especially when you're quarterback forces zone coverage and not man coverage and it's apparent early on that isaiah likely is so good at understanding that spacing and sitting in zones and then getting up the field immediately after
1: he used to be a wide receiver and he profiled like kind of a a receiving tight end um and i'm just looking at it he was 18th percentile weight which is kind of why he fell as far as he did but his adjusted production which is my model based off of his stats at coastal carolina 98th percentile among tight end prospects 94th percentile team share of yards 85th percentile yards per game so we're talking about somebody that can move like a wide receiver he's done it in the past and i think what's going to happen here is he's going to be the second receiving threat at the tight end looks like, obviously don't galaxy brain anything with mark Andrews. he's not leaving the field he's probably he might be the best tight end in the league right now receiving wise um but i think that isaiah likely is going to be out there a lot because he's just quite frankly better than Devin duvernay better than james crochet better than Tyland wallace and any of the other wide receivers they have we, we know this offense wants to use two tight end sets i think we might even see some three tight end sets for sure get uh boil out there to block and have these two guys out there, this going to be the most unique offense in the NFL. The formations and stuff—they're going to be a total outlier. And I think it, all of this is playing to Lamar's strengths because he can throw the ball over the middle, and that's where Isaiah Likely is making a lot of people miss. And like this, these clips are ridiculous.
0: Few layers to this. One, Tyler Huntley at the end of last year was a main reason why Mark Andrews went off because no one loves to target tight ends ten yards or fewer. I think Andrews caught thirty of, of thirty-four of those targets last season uh, compared to thirty-eight of fifty-four. From from Lamar Jackson. Uh, you outlined it. No team is gonna lead the league in three, heck, even four tight end sets if we count Patrick Ricard as one, yep, as as the Baltimore Ravens, because Nick Boyle, Patrick Ricard are movable pieces that you can use as extra blockers on the end of your line or in the backfield. But then you have the dynamic of Mark Andrews and Isaiah Likely. So on top of this, we know that it's a very concentrated passing game. That's why we're drafting Mark Andrews in round two. That's why we love Rashad Bateman in the danger zone of wide receivers. Beat writers started saying this. Should we be drafting Isaiah likely as the third pass catcher on that team?
1: Yeah, round 18 in best ball. He's, I have him ranked like tight end 25, tight end 26. He does have upside. If Mark Andrews misses time, I mean, you you have have a top seven tight end the rest of the way. Yeah. Yeah. We, we might. I think that that's, I think he's probably contingent based, but I I think that he should be on your radar, especially in dynasty leagues, all that stuff. If you're doing a dynasty draft on this weekend, like circle Isaiah likely he's, he's for real.
0: Yeah. Dalton Schultz finishes the top five tight end doing far less than this last season, to be honest with you. <laughs> oh, of course. Way less. He, he is the
1: number two pass catcher for, for Dak Prescott. No, so, but yeah.
0: I mean, I think people get in their heads when talking about wide receivers and how they create separation and win in isolation, don't necessarily understand how tight ends are able to do it because so much of it is you have a quote unquote, right to get open, right? If like, if you see someone to your right, then boom, you stick it to your left and like, it's just finding the soft spaces. Like that's not a route that's just sitting in the area and, and again, with the quarterback that they have to play zone against, this is how you do it. This is how you win over the middle of the field. And I can totally see, cause we had, you know, Matt Harmon on the show talking about Rashad Bateman being like a true X. However, they've also been used in layers with Andrew's deep. Bateman short, vice versa as well. Maybe we get a little bit more of that with likely and Andrews, and then Rashad Bateman is that outside threat over and over and over again. But more than anything, it's not going to be cookie cutter. It's not going to be binary like that. We just get a lot more flexibility. Plus, you have a true, like tight insurance, maybe more than anyone else in the entire league.
1: It's intriguing. 4.3 yards per out run versus man coverage. That's wild.
0: That's awesome. Okay. I just want to throw on the film because I know people want their Isaiah likely takes. Uh, let's jump now to the Patriots backfield. Our brains are still in a blender because <laughs> what we saw was Damien Harris series, Ramondre Stevenson series, Ty Montgomery series. Damien Harris series, Ramondre Stevenson series, Ty Montgomery series. It was not these, hey, Damien Harris gets first and second down, then Ty Montgomery comes in for passing downs. What right. can we extrapolate from that?
1: There was also a Bill Belichick quote. Um, I think people are kind of taking it out of context, but they are a profiling bit. Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson as three down backs. I don't know what they're going to do with Ty Montgomery. That's a part of this where I think we need to figure out. I'm very confident that Damian Harris is going to be ahead of Ramondre Stevenson in the pecking order of things. I'm just curious to see if Ty Montgomery is going to get a full drive like they did in the preseason, or if he's going to play on third downs, which would be bad news for Ramondre and Damian Harris, or if he's not going to be involved, at all. And it's just going to be kind of what Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams did last year, which was just rotating drives basically. And that's it. Um, so I think that we don't have this answered. This is classic Patriots backfield stuff. But I think we have to figure out what's the plan with Ty Montgomery specifically. If he is in the James White role, it's bad for, for them. If he's just getting replaced in Ramondre and Damian Harris or just three down backs and they rotate drives. I think they both have a chance to be top 30 running backs.
0: So the Mike Reese quote, as you outlined, didn't say too much. I was intrigued by Mike Reese running with it yes. a little bit. But That's the important part. Mike Reese has been attached to this team for like decades at this point, and no one knows the ins and outs and the coach speak better than him. You know, this for weeks, I have said that I think the Patriots' backfield is going to be more concentrated, that Ramondre actually played a ton. For a rookie last season, and none of these rookies are going to be relevant. But if someone is, it is Ty Montgomery. I don't know how the Patriots are going to play their quote unquote starters this week. If it's just Damien and Ramondre, then Damien, then Ramondre, big ears, big oh, yeah. eyes like that. We're going crazy sirens. But with Ty Montgomery getting his own series out of these, maybe Bill thinks he also has a three down skill set as yeah. well. But more importantly, it's so easy last season to focus on Damian not really playing true passing down snaps Ramondre only having 19 catches. They're going to have more passing down snaps no matter what, even yep. if Ty Montgomery is involved this season.
1: Yeah, last year there was 126 running back routes on third or fourth down from the Patriots. Ramondre Stevens had had four of them. Damian Harris had two. So right. e- either way, th- those numbers are going up. I just hope Ty Montgomery is out there on special teams and it's just them rotating drives back and forth. And if we can at least have Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon splits where they're both like RB two ish type of players. And then we'll just see if talent wins out between one of the two. The
0: other aspect of this is, do we know if Damien Harris can get 15 touchdowns, you know, again, because the Patriots offense arguably was better last year than it's going to be this year. But it, we just did a draft yesterday. Hopefully people checked it out. It's listed as a mock draft on the channel. Um, Ramondre went thirty spots ahead of Damian Harris. You know, Damian's about to fall out of the top one hundred, and he's still there, man. He's still relevant. He, we haven't learned that he has lost the inside the ten yard work yet. You know, the goal line carries. So he's someone that where he's going right now, people are just forgetting about. Still yep. intrigues me. Let's talk about another running back who was the shit last week, <laughs> Damian Pierce. And all we have to go by is what Damian Pierce did in preseason week one. Because most importantly, Damian Pierce did not play in preseason week two. And that arguably is the best news of the week.
1: I, every single day, there's a new Lovey Smith quote about how much he loves Damian Pierce and every bit of the skill set he likes. Apparently, people don't like that he's not a super explosive rusher, which I I get. He's not going to run four fours. It's OK if he runs four, four, five, eight, if he makes people miss at the line of scrimmage and he runs and lowers his shoulder, which he does. So I'm expecting Damian Pierce to be the RB one. I don't think that he's going to be a three down player immediately. Cause I think they're going to probably going to have Rex Burkhead out there on passing downs, but there was a, a quote, I think it was Aaron Wilson. He said, Texans are looking for someone to step up at running back beyond Damian Pierce. That's what his analysis was. So it's, it's time. I think he's legit. I think his upside is capped, but at a certain point in the draft, sometimes you're, especially like a zero running back build. Sometimes you're just looking for 12 fantasy points per game. And I think Damian Pierce has a decent chance of doing that, even in a bad offense, because I think he's going to be out there, probably get 200 to 250 touches,
0: a bunch of sour grapes in the comments after we posted our Damian Pierce highlights saying that we were going overboard. I don't think so. His teammate, starting right tackle on the team. Titus Howard certainly isn't holding back a quote. He's going to have some special things for this team. We haven't had a 1000 yard rusher since Carlos Hyde. He's going to do some special things. That's basically suggesting that Damian Pierce is going to get a thousand yards behind this offensive line this season.
1: You know, what Damian Pierce is,
0: he a breaks dog. tackles. He's a dog. He, he creates space for himself. Like this might not be Brees Hall who, when you give him the outside, when you give him a lane that he takes it 80 yards, but over and over and over again, the backs who win on contact, the backs who create yards for themselves and pick up the yards block for him, which we haven't seen some of these other backs do who are drafted even higher than Damian Pierce. He does it all, man, other right. than the jet speeds,
1: you know? That's fine. He was a fourth-round pick for a reason. He was, he was going in like the 140s or something like that a while ago, you know? So we did this show last year, and people were just
0: kind of catching up to the Damian Pierce love. He has now settled in, if I can find it, as the running back 31 95 overall we said top 100 makes a lot of sense yep does that does that fit for you again that's just ahead of kareem hunt and damien harris and the buffalo bills backs
1: yeah to me i would rank them ahead of the buffalo bills backs they're in the more of a committee than i think damien pierce is going to be i'm not going to chase him up to like i don't know the clyde Edwards Hilaire tier yet but i think that somewhere in between those in the 90s makes some sense
0: right and you'll probably be able Texans, to get them
1: after that, you know, and redraft leagues like Yahoo rankings. They're not going to have to draft them in the nineties. I don't think
0: at all. We're going to do some shows on those. So you guys can uh, really have the cheat codes and smash your home leagues on sleeper and Yahoo and ESPN, all that stuff. Okay. Let's talk about the bills backfield since you just brought it up because they've been drafted highly all season, really back to back Devin Singletary and James cook as top 100 or 110 and picks, uh, I think James Cook looks quite good in terms of outside zone and off tackle runs. Devin Singletary got the workload to himself last season. But also what we have learned in these last few weeks from beat writers is it's not that two person backfield anymore that Zach Moss absolutely has a role. And I believe that we saw it inside the 10 yard line this past weekend.
1: We did. And more importantly, coach Doug McDermott uh, said that Zach Moss had ha- Sean. Oh, my gosh. He's a basketball player. What, a, what an idiot. <laughs> uh, like Creighton or something. <laughs> God, uh he, saying that Zach Moss has one of the most consistent training camps to this point, and he got the goal line opportunities. Uh Devin Singletary played the first 10 snaps with the first-team offense, and I think there's a little bit of context. None of those 10 snaps were on uh, on third downs, and none of them came in the red zone. And I, I think what I'm projecting is Devin Singletary to be the early-down guy, for James Cook to be the passing-down guy, and then here comes... at. On the one yard line, here comes Zach Moss. And that would be a disaster for fantasy for all three of them. I basically have all three of them on the do not draft list. I think Zach Moss in round 18, if you're hoping for eight goal line touchdowns, knock yourself out. But uh, I'm going to be going with McDermott here. But at the
0: same time, we know that Josh Allen was third in the NFL among quarterbacks in rushing yards last year, was 13 away from being the leading rusher in the league at the position. So that's factoring out and qualifying out some of the rushing upside too. Yeah, I'm I never was on board with Devin Singletary and James Cook and where they were going all summer, especially James Cook and maybe this comes back to bite me cuz I actually think James Cook looks looks solid as a player, but it's so obvious that they have a role for him that Singletary and Moss cannot do and that's why they brought in that type of talent. But you outlined this last year that we basically are trying to draft this Buffalo Bills backfield at the peak of what we saw Devon Singletary last year, cause he dominated the backfield and still didn't end up as a fantasy relevant back for the entire season. Yeah. Full fade. Easy as that. Full fade. Are we, are we pulling up Doug McDermott stuff here?
1: Hayden? Uh, I did. I did have it up. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I, I was making sure I didn't lose my mind here, but yes, he, he is the Creighton basketball player. Yeah. Okay. Um, what
0: other backfield should we hit on? Let's go through a run here. Um, charters backfield. So what we got was Isaiah Spiller getting hurt. And Isaiah Spiller was a back that, you know, the Chargers invested in was going, I think, around like running back 45, 40 at points this offseason. It sounds like he's at least going to miss week one, if not week two as well. And this almost certainly forces us to have to consider Joshua Kelly as the backup and if Joshua Kelly plays well enough, I don't know how Isaiah Spiller takes his job back.
1: Yeah, the entire training camp, the entire preseason, Josh Kelly has been ahead of Isaiah Spiller. And even, in fact, Larry Roundtree was ahead of Isaiah Spiller. Isaiah Spiller hasn't done anything based off the two preseason games I watched or the um, scrimmage that I went to to go see. He hasn't done anything to separate from them. I don't think Joshua Kelly has either, but just the fact that he's the number two and he doesn't have an ankle injury that's going to cost him probably week one, maybe even week two, week three. I think we have to be drafting Josh Kelly. This is not for your home leagues per se, uh, but I think in Best Ball Mania 3, there's leverage. Josh Kelly has not been drafted at all. Isaiah Spiller was going in the 120s the entire summer. I think that you should be sprinkling in um, Josh Kelly. He's one of the best picks in Best Ball Mania 3 in particular. Probably a little bit too rich for your home leagues, um, but I think Josh Kelly is at least relevant uh, for Austin Eckler insurance.
0: Comment. Austin Eckler made a point i believe him to the media to say last year that hey we basically couldn't trust anyone else in this backfield so that's why i had to play so much yeah aren't we just back to square one with that again like austin eckler's just going to play the exact same workload unless he like puts his foot down and is like hey man i need some rest
1: which is amazing where we're getting him as, as you know the sixth overall player yeah i have him ranked fifth overall over jamar chase i'm i think i'm one of the few people that have that but i have austin eckler at fifth overall
0: philadelphia eagles backfield
1: Kenny Gainwell, popular
0: player in some circles, running back 43 on underdog fantasy. Uh, Just feels like an entire headache here because Miles Sanders is going to be rotated in. And what we saw was Boston Scott rotating in over Kenny Gainwell this past weekend.
1: Yeah, I think this is really relevant because Miles Sanders has a hamstring injury. And I don't think they fully trust Miles Sanders. He's kind of one of those players who I think Twitter falls in love with because he is a home run uh, threat on the outside. But the coaches don't like, like his consistency. And as they do this, more and more the consistency really matters to me because i think the coaches uh, really appreciate that boston scott is mr consistent uh he played ahead of kenny gainwell in preseason week two if you're looking at some of the the beat reporters they've said that kenny gainwell's been struggling here and the other thing that they mentioned in all their reports is they're not ruling out a trade and even on the browns broadcast joe thomas was calling the game and he kind of referenced that there's a, a trade potential and maybe with Kareem Hunt. I'm, not, I'm probably reading into this too much, but this is one of the backfields where the entire offseason they've been uh, talking about that they could bring in somebody and really muddy this thing up. But I think Kenny was probably being drafted a little bit too early um, just because he was the number three in the pecking order in preseason week two. Jets time. Once again, second straight week, it's Michael
0: Carter over Brees Hall. This past weekend, the Jets rested every single offensive starter, which included Michael Carter. And Brees Hall got the run with the second team unit. People who subscribe and watch the show know that we have been hammering Michael Carter where he has been going in drafts just inside of running back 50. Meanwhile, Brees Hall has found himself all the way up in this territory right after Ezekiel Elliott as the running back 18 overall 43rd selection. I can't do it. I understand the love for Brees Hall as an individual talent in terms of big plays, but that is why the Jets drafted him was for the big plays. It was for the 40, 50, 60 yard runs. And when he's getting to the edge, look, based on our conversation last week, Hayden, he had that huge play in practice and the scrimmage. They I went tackling. They weren't tackling. I know. And I got tagged in it. So did I. I'm like, hey, man. I know that's what he does. But if you ask him to run between the tackles, which Michael Carter is already a top 10 runner between the tackles in the entire league, it's, I just do not envision a scenario unless Michael Carter gets injured, that Brees Hall is out there getting 17 touches a game because I don't think that's what they drafted him for during his rookie
1: season. I think this is going to be kind of similar to Javante where we see the big plays and we're going to freak out over Twitter, but doesn't get the full workload. And I'm out on Brees Hall and I'm in on Michael Carter. Michael Carter to me might be one of the best picks in all fantasy right now what i'm 150s, saying he's like he goes into range with like tyler algier isaiah spiller like rookies that we don't even know if they're good and aren't the current number two and michael carter right now could be the the 1a to start the season I'm not projecting him to, to beat Brees hall uh long term but the B reporter are calling michael michael carter a 1a 1b situation not two not a distant two a 1a he's going to be out there
0: august 14th Josh Norris, the most overlooked non-rookie and underdog fantasy drafts right now. Michael Carter, running back 48, is stealing compared to his peers. Obviously, people didn't check this out because now he's going as running back 49. Subscribe to the damn channel. Check out our freaking content. Like, what the hell is happening? I love Brees Hall, but the Dynasty community, the Dynasty community hypes up Brees Hall a bit too much, I think, right now. For where he's going, he cannot be going as a forty-third overall player in drafts. I I don't buy it. Can't do yeah. it. Won't do it. Will you not I, do it.
1: You and I both have him ranked like the, as the RB twenty, but this isn't the range where it's like Patrick Mahomes or Brees Hall. And like to me, it's so hard to go a potential committee member um, versus like Lamar Jackson. So yeah,
0: love me some Michael Carter, most overlooked player non-rookie in fantasy football this offseason. Okay. Uh we got a couple more backs and it's time to put Josh Norris against Hayden Winks once again because it's Trey Sermon versus Ty Davis Price time. <laughs> there are no winners. <laughs> Trey Sermon looked like absolute dog shit this weekend. Hey
1: hey hey he
0: did hey. he looked like dog shit. I'm about to show you how much he looked like dog shit too. Oh I watched he did not look good. Um but he ran ahead of Ty Davis Price. Give Boom. me Trey Sermon takes because People are about to see the stink, the stank on their screen right now.
1: Yeah, the offensive line wasn't too good, and he's still not a bulldozing running back yet. So I agree. I don't think that Trey Sermon looks very good here either. Um, I do think it's going to be something we're going to talk about. The 49ers' interior offensive line is not very good. Um, And the bigger thing for this backfield is Jeff Wilson did not play either the first uh, two preseason games due to personal reasons. He did practice the week before or uh like on Wednesday but didn't suit up for this game Jeff Wilson is like the the I don't know what's happening I don't know if he's gonna get cut I don't know if he's the RB2 I don't know what to do with any of these backs right now but for all this stuff the Trey Sermon stuff uh Tyrion Davis Price being pegged in way deep in the this is a
0: rough run this is a really rough yeah that
1: was a bad one but to, to me this is like it goes back to Elijah Mitchell if Elijah Mitchell's healthy he's clearly the best running back on this team
0: yeah like look the lane is right here it's a two-on-one kickout with 95 basically on the ground. You have steel blocks on 45 already to the second level. It's basically you versus 23, and Trey Sermon is bouncing this to the outside and gets tackled basically at the line of scrimmage. Did
1: That's you see right. the Tyrion Davis Price on fourth and one? Oh, we're about to. Oh yeah, it was it was bad. That was brutal.
0: At the very least, we got Ty Davis Price early yeah. on, and we got other occasions. I'll pull it up right now because I've got I've got well, some some stuff on on Ty Davis Price too.
1: The other the other thing is it's bad for both of them because neither of them played on third downs. They immediately got subbed out. So like even we're just hoping for early down work for the, for these guys. Um, At least
0: TDP creates on his own. I mean, yeah. this is great. If, Tra- if Trey Sermon did this, I wouldn't have heard enough about it. I would have been saying the slab
1: well, all the over thing, and over and over again. The other thing is uh, Tyrion Davis Price is going 140. He's not going 140 anymore. Cause, uh, he's going 180s. So I was right about he shouldn't be a 138th overall pick. We don't know what Jeff Wilson's up to. Jeff Wilson could say both these guys stink, and I'm the number two. Yeah. Just draft Elijah funny. Mitchell and log out.
0: Yeah. Elijah Mitchell, maybe next to Michael Carter, is one of the more overlooked, and Clyde Lair overlooked veterans in the league at the moment because you can still get Elijah Mitchell, who, yes, has a hamstring or groin injury at the moment. Uh, running back 23, 66 overall. That's still just one running back spot ahead of Josh Jacobs. Like, that upside. Gimme, gimme. Gimme all of it. Okay. They all stink. These. No, I. I, Ty Davis price is going to take that running back to job. I am terrified of that offensive line though, because Trent Williams has not played, but even Mike McGlinchey has been missing time might start the season or not start the season on time. The interior looks like a mess as well. When two pieces get bad, three pieces get bad. It can crumble an entire unit. Even if you have the best left tackle in the league. Um, Okay. Let's talk about some, some fun players that, that we agree on. I forgot to talk about this with, with the chargers in the back. It's better when we don't agree. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't happen often. Um, Can we talk about Josh Palmer? Because everything that we wanted to see from one of my favorite players in Josh Palmer in the summer, the player I've drafted more on underdog fantasy than anyone else we saw in preseason week two, both an outside winner and an inside winner.
1: So he's on the top of the screen here. This is like Mike Williams type of work where you're looking on the outside, contested catch, high points, it comes down with a very tough catch right there. Uh, So that's what we got uh, when Mike Williams misses time. And then he's at the top of the screen there, option route, and he wins similar to Keenan Allen. And if Keenan Allen misses time, he can go into the slot and be that type of player underneath. And then finally, you get him on a a little crazy screen play right here and it has enough juice to get upfield. So to me, Josh Palmer, he is as expected. He's as we... Uh, talked about he's a versatile player at the very least and maybe there's he has a little more juice than that um so to me when he's going like chase claypool or josh palmer to me it's josh palmer now i know the offense is gonna be better i think they're both the wide receiver three on their team um but i think that josh palmer could play a little bit and i know the chargers passing stats this year are going to be out of control so sign me up
0: josh palmer is now dealing with concussion uh, but you know, hopefully there's two weeks and he he is able to heal in time for the regular season. He's moved up 37 spots since that video, that isolated video we have on the channel. If you want to check it out and I'm still drafting Josh Palmer, um, yep. what you outlined and how we outlined it one, either Mike Williams or Keenan Allen are injured and he fills in for as a starter in two wide receiver sets, or which is now what has happened. He's outright won the wide receiver three job from Jalen Guyton. It is oh, Josh yeah. Palmer in all of these situations now on underdog drafts wide receiver 57. That's ahead of Romeo dubs, Dobbs, Devonte Parker, Miko Hardman, Jahan Dotson, right around Russell Gage, Jalen Tolbert, Garrett Wilson territory. There's a lot of fun names there, but yeah. Joshua Palmer is in the best offense of that group that is going to run a ton of 11 personnel with true wide receiver
1: insurance ceiling too. The Jalen Tolbert being next to Josh Palmer is like egregious,
0: egregious. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I freaking love everyone knows this. They've listened and watched all of our videos, but Joshua Palmer is my, like, one of my favorite players in the league. Okay. You've made it this far. Thanks for being here. Subscribe to the channel. Hit thumbs up. We are not done yet, but I just want to remind you that we want to be the reason why you win your fantasy football league this summer. So for the next month, before your drafts, go play on underdog. It's the best way to prepare, not just those mock drafts. And trust me, we've got $3, $5 tournaments coming up here in just a few days. Um, And also tune into the content. Like the content's going to help you win, especially what we've got cooking here in a little bit. Okay, so Traylon Burks, high note, low note. Traylon Burks, once again, dynasty Twitter, still drafting him. Mike Rabel won't on his fantasy team. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. That's the most important thing. I'm not even going to talk about like how he looked on tape. You can disagree with me on, on any of that stuff. After the game, Rabel said there's some other times where we'd like to see a better route and just continue to progress and work on the conditioning in the game. That last part was the concerning part to me. They, played him into the fourth quarter you never see that from first round picks uh the b reporters are calling nick westbrook akini uh the number one uh the ucla slot receiver he's going to be out there in three wide receiver sets i think Traylon Burke's gonna start as a backup but the more the more most important part about that quote is the conditioning part rabel is still talking about the conditioning what's up like do you ever hear coaches talk about conditioning never this is it's august
0: 23rd well, I, I, I did last year with Mike Vrabel and it was with Julio Jones, who he absolutely yes. despised. He hated him. Every time he was asked about him in press conferences, he basically gagged. He threw up, you know, and Trelon Burks still, because of where people were drafting him at his true peak, if he was a starter from the jump, which he absolutely is not, he's still being drafted as wide receiver 47. That's ahead of Tyler Lockett, Tyler Boyd, now George Pickens and, and what we've seen out of him. How? How are you doing this? Because if you talk about the snaps, hasn't Traylon Burks played like 57 snaps in comparison to Nick Westbrook-Akine's six or two snaps? And he had like four yards. He's had like four yards. Right. Now, was he open in a few snaps like we talked about in preseason week one? Of course. Could his production been higher? We're not focusing on this. Mike Vrabel, more than anyone else, is not going to play you if you are unprepared and if you are not practicing. If he didn't play Julio last year, he's not going to play Traylon Burks this season. Yeah, I don't enough. know if I'm focusing too much on week one or week four or week six or whatever, but it's tough for me to think about week 16 when the head coach of the team truly does not have confidence in you at this moment.
1: Couldn't week 17, the guy you need, Tyler Boyd, if Jamar Chase goes down and he goes after him, like we can play this game with a bunch of players. It doesn't have to just be the rookies like Tyler Boyd, who goes after Traylon Burks right now. If T Higgins or Jamar Chase misses time and the Bengals are as good as we think he could be the guy you need week 17. We can play this game all day long. He's he, he's a backup. And I think
0: the root of it is people just believing that Traylon Burks is like an, a fantastic prospect when he had flaws in his game and he isn't the athlete that A.J. Brown was. You know, I think yeah. that can be a root of of where this stemmed from, too. But at the same time, if you do want some leverage on this, I wouldn't be shocked if Traylon Burks falls down a little bit more. Maybe he falls down to that Rondell Moore territory who we haven't seen a minute of. Julio Jones territory. Garrett Wilson. You know, that's that's another 16 spots on draft boards. So, we'll see. Something to consider. Okay. Where should we go next, Hayden? Um, Isaiah McKenzie. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about Isaiah McKenzie. Another favorite on the show. What we've seen from Isaiah McKenzie is he is locked in as the slot wide receiver, but maybe even more intriguing when Stefan Diggs bounced from this game because he put his defensive back in a blender. He did. Isaiah McKenzie was the one who filled in on the outside as a wide receiver with
1: Jameson Crowder filling in in the slot. Yeah, we already knew that he's going to be the slot receiver, and that's a Cole Beasley role. He, he was the wide receiver three at points um, in his career. But more importantly, like you said, is I think we got confirmation that if something happens to Gabe Davis or Steph Diggs, Isaiah McKenzie isn't out there for two wide receiver sets. And to me, it makes sense. Jameson Crowder is the same type of player as Isaiah McKenzie, except just less explosive. And Khalil Shakur, who I think both of us like him, he went pretty late in the draft for a reason. So I think there's a little bit of development here. And I think what happens here is you're getting Isaiah McKenzie and he's being priced as if he's just a wide receiver three, but there's so much contingent value. I mean, if something happens to one of those two guys, he's going to be out there for full-time snaps. He's going to be like one of like the top 20 in, in routes per week. And he's got some explosions. So um, basically I wrote this. I said, you are bad at best ball. If you're not getting overweight on Isaiah McKenzie. And I believe that I'm with you side note.
0: I want to sprinkle in some Khalil Shakur around 18 love, too, because he moves differently, man. Just the way he has zero wasted movement where he can play in the slot when he can play out wide, too. I think my my comment on what you just said, no doubt that Isaiah McKenzie's locked in three wide receiver sets and the Bills are going to run a lot of that because OJ Howard's looks like trash. Like he's still yeah. playing super late in games. It's I wouldn't bad. be surprised if I know contract indicates he's on the team, but he might just not play in you know, the two the two tight end looks that people assume after you sign a name like O.J. Oh, Howard, I don't think that's in the cards
1: here. Dawson Knox season. Season. So here.
0: Now, the other part of that, though, like, let's say if Gabe Davis or Stefan Diggs miss time, I truly don't think Isaiah McKenzie plays on the outside. Like, I think they'll they'll have Cleo Shakur play on the outside.
1: I disagree with you there, but. Okay. Yep.
0: That's fine. That's why I, I, that's why I
1: have a I, podcast together. <laughs> that, that, this is why.
0: And when this happens in week 13, maybe one of us is right. We'll see. Or they just sign Emmanuel Sanders. Gosh. <laughs> Uh, should we go quickly through this? Um Bears offense time? Like yes. Bears offense has really changed and it makes sense, you know, when you have Luke Getzey now calling plays. Uh we have seen a whole bunch of moving pockets, some of this from offensive line concerns, but also to get an athletic quarterback on the move. What have been your notes with with the Bears offense?
1: I was pretty intrigued with some of the concepts that they were using. It's kind of playing to Justin Fields' strengths as a damn field passer and getting him on the move. Uh, On his eight dropbacks, I counted two screens, three play actions, including two bootleg play actions, uh, lots of deep concepts, and then some pre-snap motion, which is not something we got very frequently. Uh, Last year, Justin Fields was 26th in play action rate, 34th in screen rates out of 38 quarterbacks. That's that's Matt Nagy for you. I think we're going to get some 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 concepts that are better for Justin Fields and he he's playing a little bit too fast um at times, but I think that's better than playing too slow. Um and I think you're just going to get definitely some boom weeks and definitely some some bust weeks just like part of the, the Bears offense and their offensive line, but I was pretty intrigued with how they're using Cole Kmet, Darnell Mooney and Justin Fields.
0: Yeah, so many moving pockets. There was a rollout left off play action with Darno Mooney underneath and Cole Komet above. There was a seven-step drop versus the Seahawks Blitz. And my biggest fear right now for the Bears is that they can't hold up against seven-step drops. Like their offensive line also has just huge concerns. It's been not funny. That's not the right word, but highly concerning. Where Tevin Jenkins was running as like the second-string offensive tackle, and now he's the starting right guard basically all yeah. of a sudden. And Riley grief who they signed in for agency, can't crack the starting lineup. Um, look, rollouts give Justin Fields more time. I would love to see more and more and more Justin Fields runs for him to take it on himself. What really perked my eyes was the volume that Cole Komet was getting because it's a nightmare after tight end 10 Zach Ertz, a total nightmare. Cause you get into the grouping of Irv Smith and Cole Komet and Albert. O, and I keep going on and on down that list. You and I love David and joke, that's much deeper, right? Yep if Cole Komet, who arguably is a solid talent to an above average talent, if he's getting this type of volume though, like that's pretty damn good for where you're drafting him.
1: Yeah. No, I think, I think I haven't ranked t- as the tight end 12. I have David Joku ahead of him. I posted a, a tweet about that, um, today. Uh, he's out there. Alberto's not out there. Noah fans, not out there. Mike Kosicki's not out there. There's a lot of tight end twos that aren't out there. The fact that he's out there is good news for, for Cole Komet. uh, I, I feel more comfortable drafting Justin Fields where he's being drafted after watching some of the stuff. I It's not going to be perfect, but I think that we're going to get some rushing ability. I think we're going to get some downfield throws. Um, and I, I, I like where Darnell Mooney goes in draft. I've been scooping up a lot of Darnell Mooney, and I'll, I'll go Justin Fields as my quarterback too. I'm not afraid. Mooney's a
0: portfolio player for me. When I realize that I'm drafting Juju and all the other names around him that I need to grab some Darnell Mooney, uh, I still can't take Justin Fields over Trevor Lawrence, and they're going 10 spots different, so... Yeah, simply can't do it. Uh, any quick thoughts? You mentioned Alberto, once again, rotating with the second string offense. Noah Fant is playing deep into the second half when all the other Seahawks starters are off the field. Um, they're athletes. People love them because of the athleticism. But something doesn't seem to be clicking for us to think of them as like locked in starters right now.
1: Yeah, I think it's probably comes down to run blocking, especially like Noah Fant. Um, they trade for Noah Fant, and then afterwards they still pay Will Disley three years, twenty-four million dollars with over ten million dollars guaranteed. Like that's, that's uh not playing around money. So I think Will Disley and Noah Fant are gonna are gonna rotate. Um, Mike Gesicki, man, they are, they keep trying. Oh, he's done. Is really bad. He had yeah. a he had a blown block where he came off the line way late, and that resulted in a safety. There's been a lot of they keep trying this like block the backside and just not working he's just not physical enough i don't know what it is but when we're going through the tight end two, i think this is like where our podcast can potentially shine is the playing time for the tight end twos half of them aren't going to be out there and half of them will and i think that we're doing a good job like cole Komet, david Njoku, gerald everett those are the types that are going to be out there all the time some of these other ones are just struggling with blocking too much
0: you mentioned mike asicky I didn't have a time to go through the entire dolphins game, but I was intrigued by chase Edmonds usage. Um, I don't want to say this too out loud, man, but I think there's just been a lot of group think about Miami's offense and how it's just going to suck in comparison. And I'm not too anon. on don't put me in that group, but I do wonder, I do wonder like, look at this, like extended catches. I do wonder like, what if we're wrong? You know, this I'm is a not new that was great. But like, what if Jalen Waddle isn't the wide receiver 23 in rankings and he's much closer to like the wide receiver 19 or 20, maybe not wide receiver 17 where he's being taken. You know, what if, what if, what if they're okay, Hayden?
1: What if, what if, if? make the case. What is it? Is it, is it just who it looks better? Is the line better? Is it just all the, the motion and I think it's the quickness and
0: understanding the quickness and building the offense around the quickness and, and leveraging matchups to me is what's going to stand out. Like, look, do I think that. Tua the Tyreek is going to turn into one of the best vertical passing games in the league like it was with Patrick Mahomes? No. But do I think the movement after the catch is possible? And the way I've been finding crevices into this thought is by taking Chase Edmonds at running back 27 because I think he's the unquestioned leader in that backfield.
1: Yeah, the Raheem Mostert injury is pretty significant. Um, and Sonny Michelle was out there for like four of the snaps. I just go back to with Chase Edmonds. I really struggle with him because I think that he's gonna be out there. He's gonna be playing. I don't know what the ultimate ceiling is, just because I don't he's so so tiny, and I just don't see him like rushing between the tackles that often. I'm not positive that he's gonna be the goal line back. I can see see a situation where he's out there enough. He's like an RB2, RB three, but it's hard to break out of that if Sonny Michelle is the goal line back. And I'm not sure how many, how much they're going to throw the ball to him if they have Tua and Jalen Waddle. So I'm kind of stuck where I, I'm not, like, so out on Chase Edmonds. I think he's going to be viable. I just would rather roll the dice on, like, upside swings with kind of where he's going.
0: Quick thoughts on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um we outlined one run for Travis Etienne last week. So I wanted to be fair and outline two runs this week where I actually thought he weaved and bobbed between the tackles and ran to his, his gaps really well. You know, these aren't explosive runs. These aren't huge runs, but it was really nice to see him following the pathway, the lane that he was supposed to and sticking his nose in there, you know, because again, we outlined him bouncing it last week when it was 100% there. And so I wanted to outline two where he did it this past weekend.
1: He's so explosive, man. It's like even if he is bouncing it, he can still rip off big plays. So to me, I wish he, I wish he was a, a fourth, fifth round pick. You know, the fact yeah. that he's had a three, four turn, like to me, if you're just doing projections, the the Zeke touches versus the the Travis Etienne touches to me aren't that close and they go right next to each other. So like to me, he would have been like a classic upside RB2 that you draft in the fourth, fifth round, but on underdog, it's a little bit different. So
0: I don't know. Trevor was spinning it. Trevor still is going to miss some throws that he should be hitting every single week. Like that outside breaking route to Christian Kirk uh, for a first down on third down 100% should have been hit. But the name I want to keep bringing up, I know Marvin Jones had a couple catches, but the lockstep with where Trevor Lawrence and Zay Jones are on right now. It's great, man. And you can get Zay Jones as wide receiver 81 at 182 overall. Like in your home leagues, if you're craving one last wide receiver, he's going to be able to to be your pick in round 14 or, or round 15.
1: Yeah. There's a a couple of these like last second players. Uh, Benny Snell still over uh, as the RB two for the Steelers. Uh, Chris Evans balling out. I mean, really balling out. Um, but Samaj P. Brian was resting. So we don't know what that is. Kenyon Drake's about to get cut. Uh, we'll have to figure out where that is. I, I wanted to, to ask you about the um, Patriots wide receivers though. Because we, we kind of got some news here. Tyquan Thornton was playing with the ones. He was rotating in. Um, but then he gets injured. He's going to miss like six to ten weeks. It's not great for him. Um, then we got also news. This was kind of flown under the radar. Is Kendrick Bourne was like caught fighting at practice. And then he was oh. basically suspended this last game. He did not suit up. And that's not because he's a, a roster lock or anything like that. And apparently he's had a very inconsistent camp. Um, so right now, I think it's going to be Devontae Parker as the X, Nelson Aguilar starting in three wide receiver sets. He's been undrafted to best ball mini three. And then Jacoby Myers is in there uh, rotating in two wide receiver sets as a slot guy. But we kind of flushed out Kendrick Bourne and Taekwon Thornton, which makes the rest of these wide receivers a little bit more palatable.
0: But the other part of this is Patrick Crane's been talking about this on ship chasing streams. My buddy Tom Curran went on their show formerly known as a good football show, formerly known as the Road, to Road mm-hmm. Football Podcast, now known as the Road to Road Football Show, <laughs> and has been saying that, like, Kendrick Bourne, he would bank on him having the most yeah. targets and receptions. That felt like it came out of nowhere.
1: That did come out of nowhere. Since then, there's been it's been chaos. I, I've read other B reporters that are saying, like, the opposite, that Kendrick Bourne's a distant number four. And to me, if, if you're looking at the skill sets, Devonte Parker, size on the outside. Nelson Aguilar, speed on the outside. Jacoby Myers kind of just route running, being a savvy slot player player like to me those are like the three defined roles in this offense and when you remove taekwon thornton and you maybe move kendrick bourne out of there i think all of a sudden both jacoby myers who i was down on i move him back up the rankings and i get more solidified in my stance as being a, a pro Devonte parker guy
0: i'm i'm just i'm just nervous that the offense is going to suck most importantly like above above everything else you know very nervous of that and Johnny Smith is kind of intriguing with how many positive reports he's getting and how these late we're talking about Titans not even being on the field. Yeah, and like no. Johnny Smith sounds like he is going to be on the field. And I, I get nervous about Mac Jones, too, of where we're drafting. Now this offense is just bad. You know,
1: I I still think. Belichick's I love that. It out. I think Mac's too good. I think Belichick's going to figure this out. I, I
0: think the offensive line might be bad too, in comparison to like giving away Shaq Mason and Isaiah Wynn potentially being on the chopping block. Like if the offensive line sucks, the running game's not going to be as good. And then Mac Jones is going to not benefit from that at all.
1: So like, to me, like uh, Matt Ryan, Mac Jones, kind of similar, kind of similarish offenses. Do you prefer the Matt Ryan side of that?
0: Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah. I, I prefer drafting Matt Ryan. Jared Goff or Mac Jones? See, this James, is where James I'm at here, now. Like Jameis Winston, Mac Jones. I'm taking like Jameis. Jones.
0: I'm taking Jameis, I'm taking Mac, and then I'm taking Jared Goff. But I'm I'm it's in that same grouping. To sure.
1: me, Mac Jones just he's just much better than all these quarterbacks, so I'm still drafting him. But trust I, me, I, I love I Mac it. Jones. It. I, hear I hear it. I hear
0: it. You like doing this challenge? Find one positive report on the Patriots offense challenge. Oh, I will have to go
1: <laughs> go do that. I, I don't have one off the top of my head.
0: Okay. Chat, we love that you're getting involved in this too. Um, Let's close with a sour note. Since we had the show last week, Kenneth Walker has had hernia surgery and (sighs) it sounds like he is going to miss even an optimistic view from Pete Carroll weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, We had hyped up Kenneth Walker ad nauseum last week because we thought he was being overlooked in comparison to other rookies. Uh, When he went down that day, Rashad Penny returns. But also, we have seen other backs like Travis Homer look explosive, DJ Dallas get some run too in these preseason games. Uh, this is an impossible question for you to answer because we're never going to get an honest, non optimistic answer out of Pete Carroll. But Kenneth Walker has already dropped down to, you know, running back 38 at 112 overall. That's just after CPAT. That's just above Melvin Gordon. Dare I say, is that rich?
1: I don't know. The, there's like different types of hernias. There's a sports hernia, which is super serious. There's just like inguinal hernia, which I'm, which Doctor Winks has been reading about, and that's less severe. Pete Carroll's so optimistic; it's hard to trust what he's saying. Originally, he said that it's not a sports hernia. Do we believe it? Does Pete Carroll even know the differences between these things? I don't know, man. We're in the wild, wild west here. The good news for your regular leagues is. Ken Walker was going deep enough where you weren't going to be starting him in week one. Anyways, kind of like the Michael Gallup thing where I yep. think in redraft, they're already on your bench. Anyways, does it really matter that they're not out there for the first two weeks? Probably not. Um, so I think Ken Walker, if he drops too far, but if this is a, a legit sports hernia, this is Rashad Bateman from last year. So yep. I've got to be a little bit. Tapping the brakes a little bit, which I hate to say, cause I think Ken Walker is good, but I'm hoping that this is the less severe hernia injury and he's out there. He misses the first week and he's back there for like week two or something like that. Who knows?
0: This always happens to Seahawks. Like when they drafted Rashad penny in the first round, he had surgery on his finger and then only started these last six weeks of this past season. And now you get Ken Walker when it was all lining up. Okay. We'll get out of here. First, let's answer this question from Lauren. Uh, you said Chris that. Evans is balling out. He's averaging a yard of carry. Watch the game by that. I mean, he had a 70 yard explosive run in week one, of the preseason. That's not going to count there. Cause it was a stupid holding penalty. Like, once he gets the edge and once he has, it's so explosive, this isn't even talking about the receiving game yet. And there's a big return on top of all of this. And so yeah. Justin Herzig and I have some fun, like going back and forth on Chris Evans. He's even said that he would draft Chris Evans over Samaji P Ryan, but
1: game theory you know, or the leverage. game theory. He's, he's P. Ryan.
0: But, but the other part of this is I, I really feel that if they need an explosive play, we still haven't seen the elements of Chris Evans in this offense yet. And again, the explosiveness is 100 there.
1: The explosiveness is all the way there. He caught all of his passes in the flats. He just looks super fast. I, this is one of those things where a little bit of context kind of goes into the depth charts and the preseason stuff. Samaj P. Run does he need to play playing preseason? We, have we seen we we've all seen enough of Samaj P. Run. We haven't seen enough of Chris Evans. They have to get him out there, and I think that's why he's playing. Samaj P. Ryan. It's not. I don't know who's the RB two. It could be Samaj P. Run, but right if Joe Mixon goes down and we're doing a waiver wire show. Are you gonna be telling me you would rather pick up some p run? Or are you no. gonna be circling Chris Evans? That's what you got to ask yourself. Explosive plays, scheme them up, get the what guy is this? out in motion. The Joe Mixon is mid take. I've seen this on Twitter recently too. Where is this coming from? Me, I well, look,
0: you know me prior to this show. I was like, where's Alexander Masson hate coming from? And then 12 people say, Well, he's not good. I do not know where these takes come from. Truly do not.
1: Joe Mixon's bad. That's my favorite one so far. All right, let's let's get out of here.
0: All right. Thanks everyone. We actually have a show tomorrow. Brett Coleman's on the channel. He has posted his own fantasy rankings. Uh, so he's gonna give us the seven must-haves, the seven players he's drafting more than anyone else. I guarantee you, Brandon, I on that list. Um, also, also we have our draft guide update tonight. As soon as I finish my turn, it's gonna be posted. So if you're watching this, if you made it hour and 10 minutes into the show, it's linked down the description below and we'll get an update
1: out there. We'll get the update out there. More importantly, if you are studying for your redraft right now, and that's why you're in here, trust me, you would like Best Ball. Like, not just saying because we're employees. You guys would, if you are best ball's the best. God's game preseason right now, you would enjoy Best Ball. So go sign up. Use promo code the show. Don't even use promo code the show. Just go get out there. We'll give you a hundred bucks. You'll enjoy it. If you're still watching uh, seventy minutes into a preseason week two show, love you. You would love Best Ball. Just go try it. Check out the rest of the content on the channel. For Hayden,
0: I'm Josh. Up the Velo. They're up three one right now. Talk to y'all soon. See ya.